Welcome back, listeners. I am so glad to have you guys join in. I hope that you've had a wonderful last couple of weeks and just that you've gotten to experience some new things maybe with your relationship with the Lord as we've been going through these different things, um, these different segments and sessions. And I know typically I will have somebody share their story, but this week is going to be a little different. So, um... Part of my story is that whenever I left the relationship that I was in for about 10 years, um, it was very toxic. It wasn't physically abusive. And so for a lot of people and for a long time, people tried to reason everything that I was going through and kind of explain it away. And because I wasn't black and blue all the time they acted like it wasn't still abuse. That's not true. And I still left with complex PTSD. And the difference between regular PTSD and complex PTSD, so regular PTSD you can get after, like if you lost your house to a tornado or a fire, that incident may cause you to have post-traumatic stress disorder. If you were in war, and you went through some heinous things that may cause you to have post-traumatic stress disorder. But complex post-traumatic stress disorder is where you are constantly having to go through traumatic things every single day. And so think of it as regular post-traumatic stress disorder, capital T. Um, And the complex PTSD, small t. And so, honestly, a lot of things were going on with me whenever I had complex PTSD. And I didn't understand. I didn't know that that's what I was doing. I just thought um, it, it had just become my new normal, to be completely honest. And so, this particular episode, I wanted to share with you guys on just a few things. Um because I feel like it would have helped me so much to understand that that the situation I was dealing with was there was a name for it that I wasn't crazy that I wasn't losing my mind that I wasn't stupid Uh, I would have loved to have had something come along and tell me that while I was in the middle of it and so I know that a lot of our listeners are in toxic situations, toxic environments, and I know it's traumatizing. And so I just want you to know, I want to give you validation for what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're going through. So for one thing, I just want to let you know that there are some some symptoms, some kind of signs and kind of how it affects the mind and the body for me one of the the whole reason I went to counseling when I went out besides knowing that something had to change because I had went back four times after I had left and I I knew if I wanted to stay out of the toxic cycle that I had to get help I had to change my thought patterns to be able to change my life and so I went to a counselor I was telling her that I couldn't remember my own children's childhood, that they would tell me things and and they would say, don't you remember that mama? 
I would say, I have no idea. People would ask me, um, hey, how's your week been? And I would tell them the same story multiple times and not remember that I had told them that. And it was honestly kind of scary. And I didn't, I had always had a, a wonderful memory. People had complimented me on how well I was able to recall things. Um, but this affected my memory in a new way. And I couldn't remember huge chunks of time. And so it turns out that is, that's a, a, a symptom of complex PTSD. It's a, it's a trauma response. But there are other symptoms. So maybe your body doesn't keep track of it that way. Mine did. And so for me, instead of me being able to recall those, my brain did something where it is called dissociation. This is a, a symptom of it. And it makes it uh, where it thinks it's helping you. Um, it thinks that the memory is too traumatic and so you're just not going to focus on that whatsoever and block it completely out of your mind and that is they do it enough your brain does it enough for you and all of a sudden you can't remember your own children's childhood and so what dissociation really looks like and for anybody that's just trying to familiarize yourself with it so basically if you've ever been in the car before you've been driving it's a familiar route it's a route you know and all of a sudden you've ended up somewhere and you don't even remember driving you've completely zoned out well that in a much smaller scale is dissociation you do that for a couple of years and all of a sudden you can't remember anything you can't remember family members things happening you can't remember if certain people even celebrities are alive or dead because you don't remember anything going on in your life and that on a much heightened level is dissociation but um it can be on a smaller scale and for me um it was on a larger scale but that is one of the things i also didn't realize other people from the outside can see it when you're dissociating uh, i get a glazed over look in my eye people can tell that i'm not physically there and for me in my brain that was not the case it was just something that i was going through that i thought was invisible to everyone else but it was not um and so whenever I started to get help on it and my memory slowly started to come back, it was really crazy to me to realize that it, that it was just stress and trauma that had caused it. And all of a sudden, um, once I had began processing some traumas and processing some traumatic memories, one little thing at a time, a song might play on the radio and it would unlock a different memory it would unlock different things and so slowly but surely I got my children's childhood memories back which was something that was really important to me but I was also able to start realizing certain things may trigger you to start dissociating if people start raising their voices for me that causes it um, a lot of yelling is going to cause me to dissociate anything that is just particularly um, uncomfortable and tense in a room I'm going to find myself doing it but for each person they're going to have their own individual triggers because it's going to be linked to whatever traumatized you in the first place and so um, also some things I learned through counseling that you can do whenever you're feeling dissociated whenever you notice yourself starting to do it if you're in a setting that it really isn't um, traumatic and you're just your body is responding the way it's been trained to to keep you alive and to keep you safe um, and you can see that dissociating isn't truly necessary it's just a trauma response you can start to intentionally 
pay extra attention to all of the things that your senses are experiencing. Focus on the smells that you smell in the room. Focus on what your eyes see. Focus on what you're touching, what you're hearing, all of those things. And it'll help pull you back into reality. Another thing, if you're available, if, if you can just get up and go to the restroom and you run your hands under either really hot or really cold water and it'll help bring you back. These are things that I would have loved to have known. Um, but for many years, I didn't. And I was still in a toxic cycle, so I don't know that it would have helped very much. But um, these are just little things. There, um, There's a lot more. There's a lot more I want to tell you guys about that we're going to go over um, in a period of weeks. And it, it won't be back-to-back consecutively because, of course, we'll have other guests on. We'll have testimonies. But I just really wanted to share that with you. And there is a lot. There's a lot of other, there's a lot of other symptoms. There's a lot of things that people can get misdiagnosed with um that are that have similar things and people might tell you that you have bipolar disorder or that you have anxiety disorder or that you um you know have depressive disorder and you know perhaps you have but people with complex ptsd are commonly misdiagnosed as having a lot of these other things when it's really it's complex post-traumatic stress disorder and so I'm just sharing this because in my journey of healing I found out how common it was and it really it opened my eyes to the fact that you know the culture that you're raised in is really important and if getting mental health support is not something that's socially accepted in your circle you may spend your whole life trying to hide something that if you had just sought counseling for it if you had just gotten help with it then you could have lived a much fuller um, healthier life without having to have all of these coping mechanisms without having to have addictions without having to have any kind of secondary issues if you just dealt with what the root issue was so i'm not saying this um obviously from a place of judgment it's something that i experienced firsthand but i'm just saying if you notice that you are having any of these things it's okay to have jesus and a therapist too it is okay to need help with things um some other besides just dissociating some other things that you can experience whenever you're having complex post-traumatic stress disorder is cognitive distortions um, basically that includes inaccurate beliefs about yourself about others and about the world you can have emotional distress basically that's the anxiety that I was talking about earlier feeling overwhelmed feeling helpless feeling hopeless feeling despair a deep loneliness shame shame was a big one for me and mine um, feeling unfairness feeling injustice, depression, suicidal thoughts, triggered by social loss, you know, just any of, anything like that. Um, Somatic, whenever you're going into healing, you'll hear the word somatic used, and that means with your body, because if you don't deal with the stressors, your body keeps score. And so if you have unhealed emotional trauma for long enough, your body will begin to harbor that and try to take the load of what your mind can't handle. And so it can show up as autoimmune disorders. It can show up as a lot of health issues. Um, 
it can even eventually, I mean, it can turn into cancer. It can turn into a lot of things. Um, disorientation. This is includes inaccurate beliefs, emotions, body sensations. Um, and it, it tricks you into believing that something is happening that isn't really happening. You can have hypervigilance. That's from where you have had to be alert for your own safety for so long that your body can't turn off the fight or flight response, um, which can lead to avoidance. Which avoidance involves learned patterns of shutting out or pushing away uncomfortable situations. So like social gatherings, and I'm, I myself am guilty of this, even at my children's own birthday parties. I love decorating them. I love throwing my children birthday parties. I want them to have the best childhood memories and experiences, but I can't handle big social gatherings or, or even small social gatherings where there's let's say more than 20 people in a room I want to be on the outside of it I want to be at the door where if I want out I can get out um, that's avoidance or um, you know for the longest time couldn't go down certain streets or couldn't go to certain restaurants because those were all triggers that's avoidance and whenever it gets to such a level it can affect your life so those are just some things if you happen to notice that you're you're doing those you're going through those there is help out there obviously like I mentioned before there's counseling and the type of counseling I did I had to go through um, oh MD hmm. no I can't think of it I had to go through EMDR therapy um, and it basically helps you process your most traumatic memories, which is hard. And when you're going through it, it is very emotionally exhaustive. You don't want to do anything else. You're kind of wrecked for the rest of the day. But once you get through it, you can feel each time you're getting a little lighter. And it's like the weight of the world slowly coming off your shoulders and you can get out from under it. There's a lot of different type of therapy techniques um, for someone that has complex PTSD that you can go through to help you heal. And so don't be afraid to explore what those are. Even if it's different than counseling, there's a lot of things. Obviously, there's, there's prescription medication for me personally. Personally, that's not something that I wanted to have to use to deal with so I didn't go that route but there's a, a lot of help out there so um, and obviously um, our our email is whispers of hope tn at gmail.com if you need resources if you need help seeking that for yourself feel free to reach out because we want to help any way that we can um, so up next we have our co-host miss Abby Bailey and she is going to be sharing about um, what the Lord has laid on her heart this week. So without further ado, let's hear from Miss Abby. Welcome back listeners. We have Miss Abby here. As you know, each week she's sharing with us things to deepen our relationships and identities with Christ, but also um, with God the Father. And 
Of course, we're human too. We have hard weeks. We have down weeks. Some of you may know we had, for Whispers of Hope, for our organization, we had our first fundraiser this week. So a lot of my efforts were pointed towards that. That was Friday night. Um, And so my week was kind of chaotic leading up to that. Ms. Abby was sharing with me how her week was also chaotic. And sometimes we can kind of get lost in the shuffle of our own lives. And we can feel like um, we're carrying our load completely by ourselves. And that we're invisible. And I just think it's so timely, the message that the Lord laid on Miss Abby's heart to share today. And so I'll let her get going on kind of what's been going on with her and just um, what's been revealed to her to share to you all. Because we're just His vessels. We just want to pour out to you what the Spirit is saying to us, what God the Father wants you guys to know. And so um, just know that that's our hearts when we're speaking. It's not from a place of piety. We don't think we're any higher than anybody that we're talking to. We're going through life too, and we're experiencing God firsthand as well. So just a reminder for any listeners. But Miss Abby, do you want to share what what's going on or what you've been laid on to share today. Absolutely. And thank you again for having me. Um, God is so good. He is so faithful. Um, like you were saying, it's just been a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just seemed like on every front of my life, um, there had been some kind of struggle or, or just something going on. And yet there have been some really great moments in prayer and, and, um, the Lord had really laid it on my heart that he's the God who sees and, as his beloved, as his children, we are seen. We are seen by by him, the omnipotent one. And he is still on the throne, regardless of whether we are acknowledging it every day or even in the in the throes of life or even aware how he's working behind the scenes. And I kinda had had this message coming to me um all week and 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 thinking about just his omnipotence and that he's on the throne and all the promises of his word. And then Saturday, he really brought it home for me. Um, he put across my path an elderly woman who had a need. And then he just beautifully orchestrated like he only can provision for her through several different things that happened in that. And I, I got in the car and I was just so thankful that he reminded me that he was the God who sees Mm -hmm. that this precious little 80 something year old woman that he moved heaven and earth and orchestrated all these different paths to meet the need that she had. And, and I just felt the love of God come into my car and I felt him saying, and I see you. And, you know, we've talked about it before, but when, when you feel seen, when you actually feel heard, it just, it makes you understand at a level that you can't get in any other way than through his presence mm-hmm. that he is real mm-hmm. and that he loves you and that you are his beloved and that he sees every bit of the circumstance that you're in. And so I went back and read through the story of Hagar. Mm-hmm. Hagar was an Egyptian servant to Abraham and Abraham and Sarah had been promised in their old age that they were going to have a child and that nations would be birthed through them. They had a promise from the Lord mm-hmm. over their lives and yet they were old. I mean, he was in his late seventies when this promise came. It was so ridiculous to Sarah that she laughed mm-hmm. <laughs> because she was well past time of having children. Right. Um, and in historically in the story, they believe that, uh, Abraham was 86 when, when Hagar bore him a child. And so Sarah kind of got ahead of God. She, mm-hmm. she said, um, maybe this is how God will provide for my promise. So she gave her servant, her hand servant to Abraham as a wife now, but then she still expected 
Hagar to serve her as her maid. And so when Hagar conceived and, and was pregnant, she got an attitude. Mm-hmm. The Bible, and I've, I've read it in several different translations, but the Hebrew word there, kolal, means to curse. So Hagar had begun to curse Sarah. Um, I'm sure there was, you know, I can only imagine in any circumstances, there, women can get catty with one another. Especially sharing a husband. <laughs> Oh my god, who wants to do that? You yeah, know? For sure. Like, I'm like, I'm thinking if you're a guy who wants to do that, yeah. you can live most of your life disappointing one person. <laughs> you want to you know, but this was the culture that they were in and so it just it showed me too the what Hagar was viewed as. She was viewed as a possession. Mm-hmm. She was viewed as an opportunity by Sarah. She was viewed as an opportunity by Abram to live in the culture. They were they were in a culture. They were living in a land where people had several wives. Mm-hmm. So now was his chance to be like his neighbors. And yet he had been called out for a different purpose. Yet he was trying to, you know, and I just, we always open that Pandora's box of drama when we try to get ahead of God and, and do things for ourselves. But this mm-hmm. is the circumstance that they were in. And these were the identities and labels that had been put over Hagar. Well, when she gets haughty with Sarah and she gets to where she's cursing her and despising her, now Sarah sees her as a threat. Mm-hmm. And she tells Abraham, you're going to have to do something. And he says, deal with her how you feel like you need to. So she tosses her out. Mm-hmm. She just sends her packing. And Hagar ends up in a desert place, in a dry land by herself. Mm-hmm. And yet the Lord speaks to her. Yes. And he, he says to her, I'm going to bring you through this. And I'm going to establish an inheritance through you. Yes. And she says, you are the God who sees. Mm-hmm. And in the Hebrew translation, I had to pull it out. And he says, He's, you're the God that pays attention. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that sweet little woman from Saturday, how the Lord paid attention to her situation. And all the promises through the scripture where Isaiah 43 says, he knows our name. Yes. And J- Jesus said, he dresses the lily of the valley. Mm-hmm. He provides for the birds of the air. What child asks for bread and gets a stone? The That's Father right. sees you. Mm-hmm. You know, in um, Psalm 147, it says he knows their, the stars and he knows them by name. Mm-hmm. He knows the number of hair on our head. Yes. And Job 28, 24 says that he, he looks to and fro from the ends of the earth and he sees everything. Mm-hmm. And Psalm 37, 23 says he orders our steps. And I, I was a living testament to that Saturday. He had me in the right place at the right time with several other people. It wasn't just me to provide for his daughter who was in need. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, even when bad things happen, and we end up in circumstances, whether it be that someone put a label on us, someone saw us as an opportunity, um, used us. <laughs> Maybe we walked in some pride and we got an attitude with the wrong person. Maybe we created some drama. Maybe we um, tried to look like culture, tried to look like the world around us. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter what we did to end up in that dry and desert place. It doesn't matter to look what it looks like from the outside, what what it appears on the surface, it can be the very place that God brings us to where he reveals himself. Mm-hmm. Because Hagar says back to him, I see the God who sees me. Mm-hmm. That was her moment of encounter. That's right. That was her moment of surrender. And she goes back. She goes back and, and gives birth to Ishmael. And she goes back and serves Sarah. And I don't think that you would do that unless you had had an encounter with the one true God. 
Yeah. So that that little place became her divine appointment. Well, and um, it even says Miss Abby has two different versions of the Bible open here, and you know, even the name that Ishmael gets given, it means that God hears, yes. and I think that that is just so um, so special in that part of the story that he redeemed the situation for her, even though she was used as a pawn. And, um, like you had said, she did some things to get herself there on her own too, but it still didn't stop God from redeeming her out of the situation. And I had shared with Miss Abby before we came on air, just the importance of this story to me. I was in a really hopeless situation and I was, I had been saved at a young age, but I had not been living for the Lord for very long. Um, and I had never really dove into reading the Word. And so I was new to that. And I came across this story, and it's Genesis 16 for anybody that wants to read it for themselves. But it fulfilled such deep longings in me to be seen, to be heard, because I thought if God saw her and like Abby had said she's an Egyptian slave God saw her situation and saw her brokenness maybe just maybe there's a chance that he sees mine too and so there's a point I would read it every day for a little while just to get myself through the day and let me tell you that God doesn't pick favorites. That's in Scripture. He says that, that He has no favorites. His favor can be on you, but that doesn't make you more important than anybody else in His kingdom. And so if He does it for Hagar, and if He's done it for me, if He's done it for Abby, He can do it for you. And He sees you, and it doesn't matter what you've done to get yourself in that situation. Um, There is no... You can't get too far gone for God. No. There, There is no such thing. And there's no situation that He can't pull you out of um, if you if you surrender to Him and you let Him. Because that was part of the story. Hagar had to submit. Yeah, she she had to go back and do what He had asked her to do. And sometimes that's a hard part. That's a hard thing to do. But um, when you get really desperate for the Lord and when you get really desperate from cha- for change, sometimes you're willing to do hard stuff because being isolated and being hopeless is hard too. Yes. So sometimes you just have to choose your heart. Yes. Yeah. And I do think there's an element of that for me in my own personal testimony that I can also testify to. When she has a realization that God sees her and she now has, has seen that he is God and that he's omnipotent and that he's making a promise to her just like he did Abraham and Sarah and that he's going to use her, this person who, you know, in the culture had no rights to any kind of inheritance. He's going to give her a purpose and an inheritance. And that moment, she had the opportunity and she took it to surrender to his will. And that's what it all comes down to because there, like Sally said, there is no favorites in the kingdom. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. He died for every one of us. It doesn't matter what our background is. So you may be somewhere and you've not felt seen, you've not felt heard by a man or by a person or by a family or by a situation. But the God who is omnipotent, who promises in Jeremiah 29 11, I know the plans I have for you, yes. declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. He provided for our inheritance at the cross. We have been made a joint heirs with Christ, seated at the Father's table, able to participate in everything that a king's child should have because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. But we have that moment. We come to our desert moment, our, our destitute, barren wasteland, 
we have a choice to make. We can surrender. We can own our part. And I think sometimes the biggest uh, block in our in our own lives to stepping into our full anointing, to stepping into our full destiny, our inheritance is that we want to hold on to grievances. Mm-hmm. We want to hold on to unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. And the biggest act of sacrifice was for Hagar to go back to the very place of her torment, mm-hmm. to go back to the very place of her abuse where she was treated like an object and be willing to serve those masters because she had now a promise and a word for herself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's, to me, that's been the biggest identifier is I had some people I had to willingly choose to forgive, never got an apology. Mm -hmm. Um, Some are not even in this world anymore. They have passed on, never got an acknowledgement of any kind, never acknowledged me as their daughter, but I have chosen to forgive. And in that I have found the, the greatest freedom. Yeah. And I have been able to walk and hear from the Lord and and hear His voice speak to me. And I know that I have that inheritance and that promise. And there is a purpose in my life. And Romans 8.28 says, He works all things together for those that are called according to His purposes, for those who love God. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Mm -hmm. And we have to be willing to say yes. And that was where she had the opportunity and she said yes. And so I just want to encourage anybody that's heard this today, whatever your circumstances, know that you've got sisters in this world. There's no judgment in us. We have been in that place of destitute. (laughs) We have been in that place where we, you know, some of it was done to us and some of it we chose. Mm -hmm. You know, we walked in pride. We walked in anger. We walked in unforgiveness. So it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Like Sally's already said, he's the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can find me. Mm -hmm. He can find you. He sees you. Be the willing to say, I have seen the one who sees me. Mm-hmm. I am seen. That's right. And when you acknowledge that and you submit to his will and bow to his authority and he becomes the savior of your life, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. You will have the strength and the joy and the inheritance of the father to walk out your purpose and his plan for your life. And, you, yeah. and it is the biggest freedom. Mm-hmm. You become a bond servant to Christ. And it's, it's like the greatest adventure of your life. Yes. You find the most freedom you've ever known in your entire existence. It's yes. liberating. Well, and just walking in the will of God, there is nothing, there's not a more peaceful experience, like you said, that I've ever, and that doesn't mean that trouble doesn't come. Jesus says, take heart, there mm-hmm. will be trouble. Um, being a Christian doesn't mean that you're immune to it. But whenever you know that you are doing what he's asked you to do, yes. and you're holding up your end of the relationship with yes. him, there is a peace like no other that it, even when the storms come, you might get rained on, but you're not drowning. You got Jesus in the boat. That's right. That's right. That's, it makes all the difference in the world when you know that you have access to His inheritance. You can be in the storm of your life. I've walked out some very difficult things and literally had people say to me, I don't know how you're staying so calm. And I just have to laugh. It's like, it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. This isn't me. I don't have this in me. Yeah. I have Him. Yeah. And He has me. Yes. And that having Jesus in your boat and knowing that he he has seen you, he has called you my name, mm-hmm. that he has heard your cry, and that he has provided for you, it changes everything. That's right. Amen. Thank you so much, Abby. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for being with us another week. We, as always, we thank you for spending time with us. 
I look forward to you listening in the future. I do want to apologize. This week's podcast isn't exactly polished. It is, and there's a lot of background noises. For the part I'm speaking, I recorded outside, and so there's loud cars going by. There's a lot going on, and so I apologize for all of the distractions, but I hope that through it, um, you can just see our real authentic nature. You can see our hearts, and that you can hear the voice of God. And so I just pray blessings over you throughout this week and the next week. And I just pray that that you will recognize God as the God who sees you and that you would be willing to face whatever you're challenging in a new way. And if there's anything that we can do to help support you through that, I hope and pray that you reach out. Thank you so much. Thank you.